Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Thank you. Welcome to the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast, hosted by me, Dr. Mark Halstead. In this podcast, I cover common problems and injuries young athletes may face and ways to keep your kids healthy and as safe as possible while participating in sports. Leading experts in the field will join me to give you the best advice and what is the state of the art in thinking about issues young athletes may face. If you have a stake in the health of young athletes, whether as a parent or coach or even a young athlete yourself, this is the podcast for you. Join me as I bring you the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. A common question healthcare professionals may get from patients and their families when it comes to musculoskeletal problems is about getting an MRI to evaluate an injury further. An MRI can be helpful in situations, but when is it really needed? Today on the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast, we'll talk about MRIs, what they tell us and what they don't, and is it absolutely necessary following an injury to your young athlete? I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this is the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. Today, let's talk MRIs. But first, I think it's helpful to discuss a little bit about some of the different types of imaging tests and how they help us diagnose various conditions in sports medicine. Let's start with x-rays. That's the most common thing that probably your athlete will get if they come into a sports medicine or orthopedic physician's office. An x-ray is really good, obviously, to tell us if there is a bone injury or bone problem. They can tell us, obviously, if they have broken bones. They can tell us if there are certain disorders of the bone. Sometimes we can actually see things that are injuries to the soft tissues on x-rays. They're not the best for looking for that, but we can see some of the soft tissues on x-rays. One thing we hear a lot that definitely is something that is not true is that there's too much swelling for us to be able to determine if something's broken on an x-ray. Swelling does not impede the ability for us to see the bones on x-ray, not at all. There are some types of breaks that don't actually show up on x-ray. Those are what we call occult fractures. And sometimes overuse injuries, there is a problem called a stress fracture in a bone. And we may not see those always unless healing occurs, especially if we start to evaluate the injury really early in the process. But x-rays are good for bones, and we do see a lot of bone problems in kids. The reason why we do is they have growth plates, and growth plates are frequently injured in kids, and so we do want to typically get x-rays to start off with in patients. The other thing to remember is actually a lot of times, unfortunately, for certain problems, insurance companies require us to get an x-ray prior to getting further imaging tests. So don't be surprised if we have to get an x-ray, even if there's something that ultimately may need an MRI, because the insurance companies has that on their checkbox oftentimes for things that we need to get and make sure that everything was okay on the x-ray first before we proceed further with a test like an MRI. The second test that we oftentimes will look at is an ultrasound. I don't tend to use this as often in pediatrics as we do tend to see in adults. There are certainly some applications for ultrasound, for imaging. It will show us oftentimes like cysts or what fluid collections may be, sometimes some abnormal lumps and bumps we can use an ultrasound for. We also use ultrasound for looking for problems that are more dynamic things. So things that sometimes we'll see something snap or move, an ultrasound can help us looking in real time what is the structure that may be snapping or popping. So that sometimes can be helpful for certain disorders. But ultrasound's not awesome for everything, but it does have uh, some applications. And certainly its utility is best in the hand of someone who has lots of experience using it from a musculoskeletal standpoint. Another test that probably isn't done very much anymore is a bone scan. What a bone scan is intended to do is show us areas where your body may be healing new bone 
or where there's rapid uptake of new bone. And that can be sometimes seen in the signs of an infection to the bone or a tumor in the bone. There are some disadvantages to a bone scan in the sense that it does take longer to do. They actually have to inject dye into the person's body. And then the body uptakes that dye into areas where the rapid turnover of bone is occurring. And then we'll do a scan several hours later to see where those areas are. So it's not as quick of a test. There is radiation involved with that test as there are with x-rays. There's obviously no radiation with an ultrasound. So there are some pros and cons with this. And, and typically it's used most commonly in assessing sports medicine injuries for stress fractures. But I think it's probably been supplanted by most of us in sports medicine with an MRI. A CT scan is another example of a test that may be ordered in musculoskeletal medicine. The CT is for computerized tomography. So there is radiation. Think of it as a fancier and more detailed x-ray. We can actually do 3D images of bones. So oftentimes if there is an injury to a bone in a growth plate that may have displaced or goes into the joint, a CAT scan may be very helpful for us in determining how displaced that may be. That would give us more detail than just an x-ray alone would provide us. Sometimes we'll use a CAT scan also in situations where we're looking at a joint. As an example, a lot of times surgeons will use that preoperatively for a certain problem called hip impingement to get a better idea and better overall, just basically anatomical assessment of the joint. And, uh, and oftentimes we'll do that with 3D reconstruction as well. So really CAT scan we think of as mostly as a bone kind of study that we would use that would give us better detail of the bone, but we certainly do it for soft tissues as well. And you may hear about getting a CAT scan for someone if they've had a head injury. Now, fortunately, we don't tend to do that very often. And I did do a podcast episode about when does your kid need a CT scan after a head injury. There are some criteria that we would use for that. So we do see soft tissues and soft tissue injuries with a CAT scan. But typically, like I said, it's not commonly used or we're suspecting soft tissue injuries in sports medicine. And then finally, the MRI. So what is an MRI? So MRI stands for magnetic resonance imaging. These are large, powerful magnets in the machine that when they're activated, they align the various protons, which are electrically charged particles, which our body is made up of those that are in our body to temporarily align with the magnet. And then the radio waves can actually create a signal that the machine can translate into a picture. We can then get detailed images of the structures in our body without any radiation, which is a certainly advantage of an MRI. They're typically considered the best for soft tissues. So when we're looking at ligaments and muscles, however, we can see bone. And these oftentimes are used to evaluate for bone stress injuries, so stress fractures and stress reactions of the bone. And we can certainly see those very, very well on those structures as well. So we may see that earlier in the process of healing than an x-ray may lead us on to. So your physician may order an MRI to assess for a possible stress fracture. And I certainly use this frequently when assessing for stress fractures in the low back or when I see runners with stress fractures in lower extremities. But I will have that as a discussion with my families. I don't automatically get an MRI. I will discuss with them what the clinical likelihood of their problem is based on their their exam and their history. So let's talk about that a little bit. So our, our history and exam is really important. You know, I think part of the reason why we tend to see so much requests for MRIs in our office is you hear about professional athletes getting MRIs frequently. Having been a physician for a professional football team with the St. Louis Rams in the past, I, I would tell you, and I, I jokingly say this, this isn't true, but if a pro athlete sneezes, we'll get an MRI of their nose. That's not totally true, but most of the things that we are looking for, we actually have a pretty good idea what those problems are ahead of time. So it's not that we can't figure it out without the MRI, which is sometimes, unfortunately, the impression that's given when you hear things on TV is that we'll know further once we get the MRI. But we can pretty much tell examining that athlete the first time when they come off the field if that person's ACL is torn or not. Same thing for us in the office. We can oftentimes get a very good exam on somebody 
and we can have a pretty good idea and pretty high confidence that that's the injury that we're concerned about when we're doing assessment. So that's where, again, our history taking is really important when we're talking to patients and getting information about what happened with the injury. And that in our heads puts together kind of a little triaging, so to speak, of what are the higher likelihood injuries and what are not. I don't get an MRI just to get an MRI. I get an MRI because there's a change in my management with something. So something that I'm worried that may actually lead to now needing a surgery in someone and is not amenable to a trial of rehabilitation first. Uh, I may get something uh, for an MRI in a patient where um, they are not getting better when I'm worried about suspected stress injuries in the bone. But again, I'll have a conversation with the patient first and foremost. I think it's important to realize when we talk about MRIs, what it shows us and what it doesn't tell us. An MRI does not show us pain. I can't tell what's actually hurting just by looking at an MRI. An MRI shows me structural anatomy of things. So I can see things that may be structurally injured or damaged. But one thing we have to remember is that not everything that's structurally damaged is actually a source of pain. And there's great research out there that's looked at this, especially in the adult world of sports medicine, of the number of problems that we can see on an MRI in people who are pain-free, where they've actually done imaging studies on people, they've put them in an MRI scanner who have had no pain or no injuries that they can recall to that particular problem. And there's a good percentage of patients who have abnormal findings on their MRI that aren't really generating any pain. So we have to lead to, well, is that truly the source of pain? And this is, again, where the history taking is really important. Does that make sense? Where the person hurts? How did they get hurt if there was an actual injury? So if we see some of these things, we have to have that discussion because what we don't want to do is have that patient undergo an unnecessary surgery for something that's structurally damaged that may actually not be the generator of pain. And then there may be some ways that we can figure that out through further diagnostic tests, through various challenges that we made to the patient. An example of that would be labral tears in the hip. So because we're still trying to figure out which ones are pain generators and which ones are not. And the hip being kind of a, a difficult area to kind of assess where's the actual source of pain sometimes. Sometimes we'll do a, a lidocaine, a numbing medicine injection into that person's hip joint to see if their pain goes away. And if it goes away completely, that gives us a little higher confidence that the pain generator is coming from the hip joint. So, so again, it doesn't show us pain. It just shows us things that are structurally damaged. So you can still have pain and have a completely normal MRI. That does not mean that the person doesn't have a problem at all. I describe that more for our families that we see is that this means truly that this is probably a functioning type of pain and it's how things are functioning around that area and they're not functioning well, which is actually causing the pain and generating the pain. We also have to remember that not, not all MRIs are alike. There's various types of scanners that are out there. Uh, there's different strengths of scanners and that can sometimes uh, give us better details. So not, not every MRI place you would go to will offer the same type of MRI, the same imaging quality, or even the same images. Sometimes if there are certain problems that we're looking for, if I just send someone for a standard MRI of a low back as an example, and I'm worried about a stress fracture, if I haven't specifically stated I'm looking for a stress fracture in the back on my imaging request and specific images I want to see, there's a standard lumbar spine MRI that's done that really is actually just looking at disc problems, which is not oftentimes the biggest problem that I'm looking for in my adolescent patients. And so we have to remember that when we're ordering our test is that not every imaging study is alike. And this is where it's really important to make sure we are ordering the right test. Some tests require what we call an arthrogram, where we're actually injecting dye into a joint first. That oftentimes is done in places like the hip or the shoulder to give us better detailed assessments of that particular joint. Now, with some higher quality MRIs, we may not need to get those particular types of studies where we're doing the arthrogram, but, but we still may. 
So it is important that we're ordering the right type. They need to remember also an open versus a closed MRI. The difference there, obviously, the open is more comfortable for patients that are claustrophobic. However, the magnet's further away from your body, so that also means that the images are not going to be as good as a closed MRI, and that can be very important. I, I have examples of this where I've looked at this with radiologists that I have worked with in, in my department where we've had an imaging of one particular joint done at an outside facility at some point, and then we've actually repeated at our facility because it's just real, it's really wasn't conclusive. And with the higher quality imaging done with a closed MRI as opposed to the open MRI, you can clearly see what was injured as opposed to the other test that was done as an open MRI that actually looked okay. So we have to remember that when we're looking at imaging quality, and it also really relies on the radiologist who looks at it. Just like us in, in musculoskeletal medicine, we're not perfect. We can't diagnose everything. And there may be some things that my colleagues may pick up on that I don't get or I don't diagnose. That can just be from experience of seeing things more often or having experienced those problems before with patients and looking and doing specific workups for that particular problem, or even just having a specific special interest in that particular problem. You may be more attuned to that as a clinician. Just as that happens there, that also happens in the world of radiology too. Not every radiologist is a musculoskeletal radiologist or a sports radiologist. Not every radiologist will see all the specific problems. That's someone that may be more skilled with that particular imaging study and that technique to sort out various problems. Knowing your anatomy is very important. And I've seen, again, things that radiologists have missed that I have picked up and I'm not a radiologist and vice versa. Certainly things that I overlook because I'm not an expert in radiology by any means that I rely on my radiologist to let me know are those things there or not. So that's where having a good relationship with radiologists make a big important role in the team of people who are taking care of a, an athlete and even our young athletes. So we have to remember that x-ray is typically the go-to study to begin with because bone problems are the most common thing we see after injuries, fractures, growth plate fractures in particular, especially in those kids that are still growing. So that's what we're oftentimes going to see ordered. I think it's also important to remember that when you're looking at an MRI report, because now it's very easy to get MRI reports, oftentimes through electronic medical records, and I have no problems with patients getting that, but that's also, again, we have to remember putting that in perspective, that not every little thing that we see on there is something that's a generator of pain. Radiologists have to comment on things that they see. There's some things that may be normal variants. There may be some things that are just there incidentally and have nothing to do with the problem, but that's where you need to have that discussion with your physician who ordered that test because they can translate that for you, if, especially if you don't have a medical background. So when you're looking at MRI reports, MRI reports for me are never alone an okay thing. I can't just look at an MRI report without actually looking at the images myself, especially if it's one of my patients, because I want to see the actual pictures. I want to see where the person has hurt. And I want to see if my interpretation of what the images have been read as by the radiologist, does that correlate with what I'm seeing as well? So those, again, those are important things that we need to remember when we're looking at an MRI report. And again, there, there are plenty of MRI studies that are out there that have shown that there are patients out there who are completely pain-free, never had any problems, and they have abnormalities on their imaging tests. I love what some of my colleagues have said, that you can't unsee your MRI report, which is important. And that's why, again, when we're ordering MRIs, it's not, or when we may be hesitant to order an MRI as a clinician, it's not necessarily that we don't want to get it. It's just that, you know, based on what the problem is, it's really not going to likely change our management with things in the big picture of things. So we can have a little bit of watchful waiting with stuff uh, before we have to automatically jump to the MRI. And that's, you know, unfortunately for us, that's harder when we're seeing a patient for the first time and we may not have established trust with that particular family or that patient yet. And, and the, the default is, why didn't you get the MRI? That's where more of that discussion comes into play. 
we're not going to stop from getting an MRI, but we also have to remember that MRIs are expensive. Sometimes insurance companies will will say that you cannot have an MRI and they're not necessary. And, and that is something to remember. There are some clinical guidelines that are out there. I can't always agree with all the assessments of insurance companies that they do follow everything perfectly. And certainly there is some common sense things that I don't think that necessarily insurance companies always follow when it comes to ordering further imaging tests. But I think the bottom line here comes down to this, is that if we're talking about getting an MRI, there are very specific problems that obviously MRIs are very necessary for. Oftentimes, those things are things that we as sports medicine physicians have a very high likelihood of knowing that are probably already there and we're using it to confirm those suspicions because those things may lead us to recommend surgery for a particular patient. It may need for us to change our management plan completely because of the possibilities that are on our differential. I know I ordered a lot more MRIs when I was younger in my practice than I do now. And again, that comes from experience. I don't need an MRI for every single thing that I see. And I'll again, have that discussion with families because understanding that MRIs do have a fairly significant cost to them. They aren't cheap. Some patients have very high deductible plans. And I want to be cognizant of that when we're recommending an MRI for a patient that is this absolutely necessary as far as the next steps in our care. And if it's not, we can have that shared decision-making as a physician and a patient as to whether or not that's the really the appropriate next step. So I think it's an important discussion to have with your doctor when you have an injury. Is that something that's necessary? Obviously, there are a lot of things that aren't. Most broken bones, we're not ordering an MRI for, especially if they're very obvious on the x-ray. So when we're talking about these types of things, that, that's usually not the next test that we're going to do. It's going to be managing the fracture, the broken bone, and then seeing the patient back and follow up and following up with new x-rays rather than other imaging tests like an MRI. I hope that this was a helpful discussion as far as MRIs. It's certainly not comprehensive and talking about every possibility that could be done as far as MRIs, but just to give you a little flavor of what we're thinking about oftentimes as clinicians, or at least when I think about the process of ordering an MRI for a patient, please be sure to check out our entire podcast library at healthyyoungathletepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at HYAPod. Please leave us feedback as we appreciate any feedback you have because we do want to answer common questions of families and coaches and athletes that we see in our office and put that into a very reasonable way of discussing this problem to give you a little bit better information that you may not have necessarily received in the office to start off with. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this has been the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. Thank you for joining us today for the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. We hope you'll join us for future episodes. Please review our podcast and spread the word about us. You can find our full episode library at healthyyoungathletepodcast.com. This is Dr. Mark Halstead, and you've been listening to the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast.